Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers! Last time on Dungeon Drunks. Our heroes are at the bastion of the last corruption, a secret temple hidden from most of the world. They've finally destroyed an amulet linking a devil to Travancore's family. With the task of a lifetime complete, and the decision on what to do next put off until the next day, the group have settled in for a long rest. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I am drinking not really something new. It is lemonade and vodka, but I splurged a tiny bit and I got this absolute juice vodka. It's the strawberry edition. Steve's mm. strawberry lemonade. I, it's basically strawberry lemonade is what I've made. It is actually quite good. It is not strawberry flavoring. It actually tastes like actual strawberry juice and natural flavors so it, it doesn't you know how sometimes the when something is flavored with like quote unquote strawberry and you go oh this this tastes like medicine this actually tastes really good so i've got lemon lemonade and vodka and it's light and refreshing and perfect for a nice friday evening with my friends bernie what are you drinking let me put down my knitting mm-hmm. i didn't think i was going first I pick a direction at the start and I go around the clock and Ah, you just happen to be there. I'm clockwise. Um, I have the last of the beers that I got on an LCBO run, so it's going to be time for another soon. I have a Hobgoblin Ruby Beer from Witchwood Brewery. It's so Dungeons and Dragon-y. I will take a picture. It is wonderful. I had, Stephen already had his, so spoiler alert, I have had a little sip. I'm trying to find where Witchwood Brewery brews out of. It's somewhere in Canada. Who knows? Who knows, Witchwood Brewery? Where are you? Which wood are you in? We'll never know. Uh, Who's to say? It's somewhere. (laughs) It's just like one of those really good beers that I should be drinking on a patio. With just like with just like a big basket of French fries. Ooh. Well, while she enjoys that and thinks about a big basket of French fries, Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular. And tonight, I am once again on that truly hard seltzer bullshit, and <laughs> um, and I am once again having uh, one of these uh, lemonade hard seltzers. This is the mango. I don't think I've had this one yet. Yeah, good stuff. Good, good <laughs> shit. All right. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is definitely the best seltzer I've ever had. But it's seltzer, so is that really saying much? Who knows? I love yeah. seltzer. I accept seltzer for what it does. It makes Long- it makes raids that more more interesting. Hey, am I supposed to put damage on this guy? Do I need to clear this one pad? Well, it's a lot more fun on seltzer. Moving on. Are uh, you are you okay? I'm fine. <laughs> Do you need a seltzer intervention? Honestly, I don't drink this that much. Just on, just when I'm playing games. So, yeah, it's back. Like back, I'm back in the good old days. All right, and tonight's shot of fireball to be consumed at the first casting of fireball or the equivalent spell thereof is dedicated to one of our biggest fans and patrons, Alstover. 
Ow! Yay! Yeah! We we see you around a lot. We appreciate your engagement with us. And in honor of that, you are getting the very last of this bottle of fireball. So technically, <gasps> you are getting a bottle of fireball, not just a shot. It actually is a little bit more of a shot, so this may be a couple of swigs. So, Al, this one's for you. Al, wow. I, I feel like you shouldn't have told him how much was in there, and so I could ask Al how it also feels to be an incidental murderer. <laughs> <laughs> you killed our wizard. You how killed you our that? wizard. You, you, like, total you fireballed party our wizard. You TPO'd our wizard. The rest of us laid down and died. How does it feel to be the one monster we couldn't defeat? We really like Al. I'm sorry. Wow. You won a place. I won a place. We like you, Al. It's really nice every time we hear from you. I have noticed something interesting over the last couple of very difficult weeks and months for everybody is that D&D games tend to go in one of two directions in response to everybody's stress. Either they get incredibly silly and irreverent and completely off the rails, or they get super dark. And I think sometimes we like to laugh at pain and sometimes we like to just dwell in it and so i think we just went super dark there and it's okay because this is a safe space to do that i thought it was a funny kind of dark what a poor k no los dos warren you you went both places (laughs) you managed to go super dark funny (laughs) because i've got i come from a whole bunch of poor people in west virginia that's all we have (laughs) (laughs) see see i'm moving along carlton what are you drinking (laughs) tonight's shot of not fireball is uh (laughs) unsweetened coconut pineapple sparkling water because I am six days away from finishing my Whole30 diet. And mm. I got it because it sounds like it would just be water pina colada, coconut pineapple. And? So, let's see how it tastes. You know how, like, when you get a frozen pina colada and all that's left is, like, the slush part, but, like, none of the alcohol and, like, barely any of the flavor? It tastes like that. If Whoa. you like pina coladas, if you like you know leftover colada, <laughs> this drink is not for you. Well, <laughs> and that just sounds maybe a little disappointing, but not bad. Yeah, it's uh, like it's fine. It's drinkable. It's just it's a very light flavor. When I'm used to pina colada being a very strong flavor. True. So so far, we have two people who are very happy with their drinks, and two people who have gr- begrudgingly accepted their drinks. Travancore. Be the tiebreaker. What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is Antiquity Blue Ultra Premium Whiskey. And if you don't recognize some of the writing on there, that's Malayalam. So this is actually from Thrissur, which is in Kerala, which is where my... Well, Kerala is where my family is from. Thrissur is a bit to the north. Sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation on that. And I don't actually know if I like this or not because I haven't had it yet. So live tasting, folks. I, I I haven't had hard liquor in a long time, so this could be an interesting night. The bottle is just gorgeous. So yeah. whatever happens, the bottle is a win. I could see why this is popular in Kerala. Ooh. So a little bit of backstory here. Um, Johnny Walker Black is like the go-to drink for a lot of the uh, the uh, first-generation immigrant like people who came from Kerala who settled in uh, North America, particularly Philadelphia and New York. It tastes a lot like Johnny Walker. So I could see why it's popular there. Hmm. I'm enjoying it because technically I'm an uncle now, too. And uh, this should pair nicely with uh, with the evening's activities, although I may or may not. I may save it for Natural 20s. I might not. It depends on how much rerolling we do. Listen, it's a Friday night. We're playing D&D. Whatever you decide is cool with me. Are people from Kerala called Carolinians? Because, like, I'm a North Carolinian. They're not. Actually, 
they're called Malayalis because Malayalam is the language they speak there. Ah. So my dad is very fond of telling me that I am not, even though I'm from, have Kerala roots, I'm not a Malayali because I don't speak Malayalam. So but you're he's... a Carolinian. That's what it is. There's the thing. High five, Car- fellow Carolinian. <laughs> there's a, now there's North Carolinian and South Carolinian and people this like, is like this way is South Carolinian. Carolina. And it's yeah. like, yeah, there is. There's Kerala. And that's the Carol. That's just plain Carolinian. I've heard Carolyn before, but no one ever uses it. Although we do do Christmas caroling. Now, now I got to ask, with that definition, if you learn to speak Malayam, are Mali- you then... Malayam. Malayalam. Mal- oh. Malayalam. It's funny. Malayalam. In English, it's a palindrome spelled the same forwards as backwards. Oh, that's oh, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah it's super cool. If you learn to speak Malayalam. There you go. You got it right. You got I'm it. I'm going to practice that. Malayalam and Znerf Meblin are the two things I'm going to learn how to say this week. Malayalam, okay. does that make you from there? Or do you also have to live there in order to be from Malayalam? Well, it's like one of those things where the goalposts are always moving, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I will tell you what we tell people, which is if a cat had kittens in the oven, we wouldn't call them biscuits. That is that is the most <laughs> southern thing I've ever heard you I, say. I don't think I've had, yeah. Yeah, heard anything more southern than that. That is the most southern. You could not have been more Kerala if you tried. <laughs> <laughs> Carolin, fellow Carolinian. That's amazing. That is people ask like, oh, like, I moved to the South. Am I from the South? And the polite response is if a cat had kitten in the ovens, we wouldn't call them biscuits. And it lets people dwell on cats and ovens and less on the insult you were just handed. (laughs) But I assume that's what your father has said to you, which is this is your heritage, but not quite. It's a funny thing. We moved here in the 70s. We were raised in Reagan's America. So, I mean... I think they tried to raise us as, like, just straight-up Americans. So he didn't keep us from our culture, but he also pushed us heavily in a, you know, learn some geography, learn about the Cold War, focus on where you are rather than where we're, where we're from. And y- y- you do what you do, you got to do to survive. So no no hate, no judgment, or anything like that. Because as an adult, you can always discover this stuff later on, as my sisters have, have done, as my brother has done, and then I've done. Also, I mean, it's a strategy. I have friends whose parents refused yeah. to teach them Spanish because yeah. they were determined to make sure their kids would not get harassed. Yeah. Yep. And uh, to be fair, he raised us in an Indian, like an Indian language church. So I have zero transition back into a fun D&D game. Although you rarely do. I rarely do because we because either we're having a fun discussion and then we have to get serious in a D&D game or we're having a serious discussion and have to get fun in a D&D game. And right now we're having a serious discussion and I'm going to start with Travancore in this game, but... Who is also a Carolinian, technically. <laughs> True, but considering what's about to happen, I think it would be weird in order to try to tie these two things together. And you're going to know why in just a moment. Everyone has gone to bed. It is late in the, the day after you've made it to the Bastion of the Last Corruption. You have completed this ritual. You've destroyed the amulet. There's been a dinner celebration that included basic food and a lot of popcorn and a lot of, of joy and basically relief. It's a sense of accomplishment and relief amongst friends. And you have all been given very sparse, comfortable rooms to stay in for the night, basic stone accommodations with warm, magical hearths that after the day you've had, all of you get to sleep pretty quickly. Travancore, you're standing in nothing. It's 
not uncomfortable, but it's disconcerting. There is nothing around you. There is nothing below you. You don't feel weightless. You feel like you're standing on something, but you see just an empty void. It's not too hot or too cold. You can hear yourself breathing. You can feel your own body moving, but it's empty. And then next to you, suddenly, as you are looking around kind of curiously, wondering where you are, and you looked to your left and looked to your right, and there's nothing there, and then you look back to your left, and there's a figure standing there, a very familiar red-skinned devil with horns, wings, in battle armor with a, a blood-soaked weapon and a curious smile on her face. And you recognize this as Anarnak. And she smiles right at you and says, I did not think you would actually do it. Well, for a moment there, neither did I. But here we are. Compliments on your cell phone reception, by the way. I do not know... There you are. I cannot figure that out. But the connection is gone. And in this place, as you are unconscious, your soul is not as connected to wherever your body is hidden, and so we are able to speak. Okay. Did the thing. What comes next? Well, unless you had any other requirements, I believe... And the weapon in her hand seems to shift and change to a piece of paper. And it's a very simple one piece of paper contract. And while you can't read the writing, you intrinsically know what contract this is. And you can just immediately tell from the style of the handwriting this is the deal that the devil made with the Kuthanar all those many, many, many years ago. And she holds it in her hand and she says, a deal is a deal. And you watch as from her hand, smoldering red flames begin and almost elegantly, the paper catches fire and instead of it bursting into flames in some grandiose display, it just embers into ash. And the ash sits in her hand for a moment, and she brings them up to her lips and blows it away and says, Your fate and your people's fate are now your own. Well, as my friend Bernie would say, sometimes people aren't in your life forever, and they're only in there for a short time. So don't take this the wrong way, but if we never see each other again, I won't mind. And she nods. And she says, If you change your mind, you know how to call on me. Although, you can no longer force. But I have my own work to do. And despite the fact that you've been watching the, the ash and everything in her hand, her hand now has this horrific weapon in it again soaked in several different types of blood and you see that she her grin has now turned slightly feral as she says although in a way we are still working on the same side you just don't know it wait what does that mean 
Oh, the blood war continues. There was a time where I found so much joy in what I did, in the contracts, in the bringing in of souls, but my calling is in battle. My calling is in the destruction of those who would see the destruction of everything. I will miss, I will miss your family. But I, I have other things to keep myself occupied. Goodbye. Goodbye, Travancore. And you wake up, and it's the next morning. You've all gotten a long rest. <sighs> wow. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> what would you all like to do? It is the next morning. You all wake up in the same dreary, uh, very weirdly cold, but sometimes warm bastion of the last corruption. You do know that you are welcome to stay as long as you need. And when you are ready to go, you will be escorted to a place in where you can be teleported to most anywhere necessary or reasonable. Well, why don't we figure out where we want to go in the mess hall? Yeah, I feel like we're going to have this conversation over breakfast. Bernie is going to go into her bag and pull out the good tea. Because she feels like they probably don't get a lot of nice caffeinated beverages. And she's going to sigh and she's going to make a very, very large pot of tea for everyone. I look over to Bernie and I go, hey, what's the tea? Oh, this one's a really nice Earl Grey. Make sure, make sure you don't spill the tea. Oh, yeah. This cost me a lot of money. I'm not going to waste this. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to pass uh, Carlton, and as he does, he's going to put his hand on his head and utter the words of power, Choctaw heck, cock, quang, and uh, cast Mind Blank on Carlton Tanks for the next 24 hours. It, like It's like Jonathan the Magimuscular is just hugging my brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being a little body shield on my brain. Keeping it safe. <laughs> Giving it a hug. Here you go, Al. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you do know from dinner the night before that, no, that that is one of the things that these, the people who are the the keepers of this temple, that the one of the prices they must pay is that they are very cut off from the world. And so the influx of any new supplies is, uh, most of what they get are food and supplies that can last for an incredibly long time. So, no, Bernie, they do have tea. They do have tea and coffee and, you know, because those are those are things that the, and can keep for a while and are very space efficient. But your tea is not a tea they've had. And so if you are willing to share, there are quite a few of the the, the high priests who are living and working here who would be incredibly appreciative. Bernie's going to pour them a cup and say, you know, what's really interesting is I find that my work for Queen Bay is never actually hindered by creature comforts and <laughs> Warlin Silden is there. This is the high priestess who had greeted you and kind of shown you around and everything. And she accepts this cup from you and says, yeah, it was, it's sad. And none of us will be working here forever. So we haven't had to give up all creature comforts, but... 
it is nice when we do get visitors or an influx of new supplies. So I, I do appreciate that we are able to help you and you are able to offer something small in return. So thank you. And unless you indicate otherwise, she will go and sit elsewhere while you have your discussion. There's a couple of larger tables in the in the mess hall and then some smaller ones. And she kind of lets you have a moment to talk over things. But you can see her across the way. She's made herself some basic cereal for breakfast. It seems like most of the foods here are dried goods in a variety of ways. So that's that's what she has. And you have... The mess hall, kind of to yourself. It's her and a couple of other single people sitting around having some breakfast or some coffee, and that's about it. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on July 26th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. W-I-K-I-W-I-N-G-Y-E-S-T. So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Well, so where are we going? I don't know. How do we know if it worked? All heads swing to Travancore. <laughs> Everybody just goes. Mm. I I I had a visit in my dreams from uh, from she who shall not be named. Wait, what? Can she get? Yeah. She Jonathan can the Magic Muscular chokes on his cereal. I think she brought my soul or my spirit or my consciousness to to her somehow. And Travancore relays the story of um, the the contract going up in flames and actually mentions, but she did also mention and call a blood war. That's saying she's fighting on the side of things that are trying to prevent the end of everything? That's... Okay, so a, a win. I think an aggregate win is what yeah. we're going to call this. Yeah. Did you ask her, like, the particulars of how she brought your soul somewhere? Because that's pretty... It's pretty cool. Does that go off? Uh, you know, the funny thing is when you're in, like, a dreamlike state, like, you just kind of go with things. At least I kind of go with things. I'm, I'm not a very inquisitive dreamer. I just so kind of take things for as they Travancore are. Travancore is more like a waking. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I, sh I should say uh -huh. so. Like, <laughs> but I just thought to myself, I, I have, I've eased off the burden of generations of, of centuries, and that is that's a win. I, I always wondered who I'd be at the other end of this, and I'm still me. I am your friend. I am all of your friends. I am the heir to the throne of my kingdom. I am the one who's trying to do the right thing, but doesn't always get it right. And I'm sure Olivia Passerak is going to love to hear that you're out of your contract. Yeah. Olivia. Yeah. Olivia and I are just friends, actually. Professor Wood, on the other hand, so I might look up at some point in the future. She's going to have to keep buying romance novels. None of you will ever do anything. And Jonathan the Magic Muscular is like, I would only say, Travancore, that she is a lot. A lot of fun. And she... And Jonathan Magimusco is going to put his hand on Travancore's shoulder and he's like, 
she'd be lucky to to have you. Ah, oh, thanks, bud. Who's gonna say I'm a lot? You guys keep me around. She's a, a different kind of a lot, Bernie. Yeah, and <laughs> and Jonathan, I owe you an apology. What's that? I trust for not trusting you. Like you handled yourself well, from what I heard, with the spell that was given you, the trust that was given to you by Professor Trugust. So. So I know you're just because you're tempted doesn't mean you're going to give in to temptation. I should, of all people, should know that. Oh well, well, thanks, man. It's very, very slight eye twitch. You, you have all done a great thing for me. So, for the foreseeable future, I'm, I'm here not as a repay thing, but just because we're friends to, to do help you accomplish the great things in your lives, just as you helped me to accomplish this. Yeah. So, um, this blood war. If you all would like to roll either history or religion, I'll let you choose between the two. If you are proficient in one, you must take that one. Oh, I Ooh. am proficient. History it is. Ooh, 22. I am so fucking tempted to use a uh, a point of luck on this. Do if it. You, Do it. You won't. I'll, I'll say this right now. If any of you roll in D&D Beyond accidentally or on purpose that's fine i trust you to give me the numbers uh so if you've rolled one place and you go whoopsie that's fine oh okay well no i like rolling where you guys can see it's yeah, fun same. but i like yeah, the dnd beyond here to this. tell me how to roll <laughs> religion <laughs> oh jeez so if it's a really uh, yeah okay so religion is what i'm proficient in that's what the little black dot means right that's yeah. what the little black dot means. Yeah, if you're proficient in one, you must do the one you're proficient in. If you're proficient in both, or if you're not proficient in either, you can make a choice. Let's start with the person who used their point of luck. Jonathan, uh, what what skill did you use and what did you roll? So Jonathan the Muscular is proficient in history and uh, used that. And in some sort of other alternate reality, rolled a one. But thanks to his <laughs> luck, he rolled a natural 20. Which out to a 30. Nice. Jesus. And Bernie? I rolled a religion check and I got a 16. And Travancore? History, 22. And Carlton? History, 8. Awesome. This, this tracks, honestly, all of this. <laughs> you are really surprised by how good this dry cereal is. Like, you sat down and went, um, Uslix without any milk? Really? But there is like a, a spice to it that's been added that you can't quite place. And it's really good. And it, it wouldn't be your go-to, but it's a pleasant surprise. Muslix, so, Lauren! Yeah. That's the most, that's really on brand for these people. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they Not want. Not some fucking Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> they, they have to go. Some goddamn special K. They have to go months without getting a delivery of anything. They need something that can survive for a very long time. And so there you go. Not even rice checks. Not even rice checks. God no. damn it, Muslix. Listen, some people make very large sacrifices for the greater good of the universe. So that's what you're doing, Carlton. And so you look up from your cereal in time for the rest of your party to realize those of you who rolled history remember the trip to Avernus you took. And those of you who rolled religion remember the stories. And you both basically get the same story. The blood war is the eternal war waged between devils and demons. Devils, while well, they're both fiends, devils are the lawful creatures, the ones who usually try to con uh, mortals into contracts. And 
are the ones who, specifically, this was what Travancore's family had been indebted to was a devil. Demons are the chaotic version, the ones who basically just want to watch the universe burn. You know that the blood war is literally the war raging between these two places, between these two beings. Uh, And while devils are not to be trusted and have all kinds of bad things associated with them, they are also on the literal front lines of that war, the ingress of demons into the planes that would allow them to reach, like, the material plane, like Faerun, is Avernus, that first layer of the Nine Hells. And so if it wasn't for a bunch of things, but the main frontline warriors are devils who fight that war. So when the Aaron Yes that Travancore was talking to mentions how uh, they were more interested and found more fulfillment in the war and in the bloodshed than in the conning of souls to bring them to the nine hells. That's what she's talking about. She has literally found she enjoys that conflict more than the, the contracts. And yeah, she is probably telling the truth when she says that in a weird way, you are all on the same sides because if devils, lost and the demons broke through there would be hordes upon hordes of endless fiends looking to just destroy all of creation and carlton your muselix is really good carlton manners yeah well i mean still sounds like an internal hell matter to me like above our pay grade furthermore she had absolutely no problem chaining my family up for for centuries to accomplish her goals yeah i i i you all went to avernus i'm it's not a postcard i'm keen to purchase if i'm honest Nah. so what next well jonathan the Medge muscular has one semi-selfish errand he'd like to run And it actually ties into, tangentially, Avernus. So, when we got stuck there last time, I was unable to bring us back just on my own merits. We had to go on a wacky adventure, and we met some characters. Hey, those characters were great, by the way. (laughs) And I don't want to be in that position again. The means by which I travel to other planes requires a key that is... uh, tied to the plane that we want to go to. It's sort of like a tuning fork. Actually, it is a literal tuning fork tuned to the frequency of this plane. I don't have one for the material plane, but I wanted to ask the Watchful Order if I could get one from them. That way, if we have another whoopsies, Feywild adventure or uh, uh, Shadowfell adventure or Ethereal Plane adventure... We can do our thing, we can have some fun, and then we can come back whenever the fuck we want. Oh, that'd be really nice. Also, payment would just be payment and not... We could get paid in payment and not in returning home. Exactly. Or exposure. Ugh. Yeah, exposure back home. So, I... I, Jonathan the Magic Muscular requests that we take their free trip 
to Waterdeep. Stop by the uh, the the Watchful Order real quick. Maybe bring them up to speed of what we've done. And then after that, we can do whatever we want. We can I can teleport us to the to a certain tower of a certain winter god. Uh, just to, you know, check that box. Just get it out of yeah. there. Yeah! You know, we kept meaning to go there. Maybe it's time we did. Mm. After that, I think we should probably kill Fontor Brack. Yeah, I was going to say, eventually I want to retire. And I don't always want to have to look over my shoulder for a blue dragon. I think we, we're getting to the point where we could probably kill Fontor Brack. And I think we should probably do that. Jonathan, as you bring up Thondorvrak, you do remember something in your keen mind. Something you promised. That we would look for an instrument for him. Well, more specifically than that, just before you went on the rest of this adventure, you told him when you were done that you would contact him to go on a mission for him. Now, whether you do that or not, but I'll say now that you're thinking about Thondorvrak, that that conversation comes to your mind. Well, okay. Mm. How... One second. We can use that as bait. One second. Actually, 600 seconds. Jonathan the Mad Muscular starts doing telepathic bond. I, okay. Do we really need to kill him? I feel like, as much as I don't like the... I, uh, no, we do. He is manipulative. He killed a bunch of innocents in Greenest all that time ago. He will not ever release us from this bond I feel that we have with him unless it's his end and who else knows who else he has enslaved in this type of way and he's threatening and what end he has for the uh for the instruments what he's planning to do with them yeah so what he's planning to do with the instruments who never letting us out of this like deal or whatever we have with him whomever else might be stuck under like these coerced into working for him and all the innocents that he killed in greenest I say his judgment has come due. Yeah, I, I, I guess. There were women and children in Greenest. And men and non-binary and gender fluid and all kinds of other people yes, that he killed. Yes. <laughs> but there yeah. were people who were not fighting him that lost their life that day. Yes. There were. I, I do agree with that. I guess. Carlton never forgot. I didn't forget. My concern is I do not want as we gain power to decide that our power is equivalent to becoming judge, jury, and executioner. I think that's dangerous. Because power, might is not right. Might is not morality. Is, power is not inherently a, a, a marker of morality. It's not inherently a marker of immorality. However, it is a, a thing to consider is do we have the right to decide who dies simply because we think they need to die? Jonathan the Muscular has a thought on this. Who was that asshole that we kicked out of uh, Amphail? Asok Amkarthra. Travancore yeah. turns <laughs> in immediately. <laughs> Travancore, thumbs up from your DM. We did not <laughs> have the right to end his life. We removed him from his position of power, and he is off somewhere probably Plotting. being a dick. Maybe Doing he's that dead. whole worm tongue thing. Right. Worm. We did not decide his fate. The problem with Thontorf Rack is his power is his life, is his existence. And if we just want to get down to brass tacks, he's dangerous to us. 
And he's dangerous to the people that we may hold dear. He's incredibly intelligent and incredibly ruthless. So if he ever gets leverage on us, let's say one of us, we settle down. Let's say we, we have ties and he decides to use those ties against us. We can't put those people in that position. And that's based on no other morality other than what we've seen him do to us. Yeah, I'm not saying we go out and just kill evil dragons. I'm specifically saying this one evil dragon who holds power over us and is going to make us fear from time until we know that that is resolved. So here's my proposition in all this. Let's just try saying no. Let's tell him we struck a bargain. We're willing to consider his offer. And if, and then we say no, and we see what happens. You're just saying give him the chance to leave us alone. Leave the door open for him to do a marginally right thing. Maybe he'll see how far we've come. I don't enjoy killing people, even when they're evil. The other side of that is we don't know what he's up to. I think... We owe it to ourselves to figure out what his agenda is, what his plan is. And there are ways to go about that. We could even explain that we are sort of – one has to assume that someone like Dantravac has tools in his arsenal. Those who are like unsavory characters who are willing to to do whatever it takes to get the job done. And those who are more on the, for lack of a better word, heroic frame of things. You use a different tool in your key set for the the proper job. And if we're a presented opportunity – to, to get closer to him, to learn what his agenda is, what his plan is, to get into his good graces, even without, in a way that doesn't compromise us, we owe it to ourselves. And then once we know what that plan is, we can determine whether he pre- represents a, tr- a threat or not. If he's just a weird collector, then we can just leave him to be a weird collector. Yeah, if yeah. he's a weird collector, he can be a weird collector. Couldn't we not scry on him the way he scryed on us? Have we attempted that yet? To, to spy on him that way? Unfortunately, that is, Jonathan the Magimuscular has traded scrying magic for other forms of power. Luckily uh. for you, Bernice the Cleric has um, still got the ability to load up scrying tomorrow. Right, because obviously we can't do it from in here because we're warded, but once we go back to Waterdeep, you know, check in with our buds and our pals, next morning, we start doing a little reconnaissance. I just... I don't like the idea that our go-to plan to fix something or to rid the world of a great evil is to kill someone. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's always the answer. Because when you find yourself picking the lesser of two evils often enough, I think you forget that you're still picking an evil. The lesser becomes the greater evil. No, it's, it's, you're still making... They're still choosing. You're still evil. making a choice between yeah. two bad things, and and yeah, you got to square with that. You got to be okay with that, and I'm generally okay with that because sometimes that's the choice. You don't get a perfect choice, but yeah, I don't want to put ourselves in our situation where we believe that this is the only choice to solve the problem. What if we do some reconnaissance first, figure out what he's up to, what he's trying to do, all that, then. We tell him no, continue doing reconnaissance to see how he reacts to that and if he's plotting, and 
if it looks like he's legitimately going to let us go, then we kind of just keep tabs to make sure he's not like slaughtering and slaughtering and slaughtering. And we let him be. Yeah, I just... But if he goes on genocide because he's pissed off at us, then I'm going to feel a little to blame about that. Right, or if he starts sniffing around some of our No, loved you're ones. not to blame. I'm sorry. I, that's a that's a really that's a really some the way someone else chooses to react to how you say no to them is not your fault. You are not to blame. That's that's a really shitty mindset that people use to make you feel bad for their bad choices. We are not the arbiters of judgment in this universe. Some people every day are making bad choices. It is not our fault that they still live to do them. Fair enough, but I well, let's let's take a look at at what what happens because even though Jonathan the Medjmuscular is not going to get less powerful as time goes on, hopefully we'll see. I feel like you flexed when you said that. I would rather not have to fight a dragon who comes calling to kill my kid. No. Yeah. But I just think we have to. This we the answer isn't just kill him. We we won't ambush him. We'll we'll give him a chance to leave us alone. The part ways amicably. So water deep for a tuning fork and some scrying. Maybe, maybe hopefully a tuning fork. I don't want to have to get stuck in another uh, another plane I don't want to be in. Ooh, and Gestock's breakfast burritos and maybe brunch with Olivia Passerac. Looks like we've all got some plans. Does that mean you want to finish breakfast and go talk to Warlin Silden about where you want to go? Yes. Yeah, yep. I think uh, Waterdeep is where the consensus is. Okay. Yep. You walk on over to where she has been seated at her table. She has done her best to give you some privacy in this room. Uh, I'll say at this point, Jonathan, that you've had this discussion out loud, but quiet enough that you feel... That if anyone has overheard part of it, this is, these are probably the most able to keep secret people in the entire universe. Also, they are actively trying to give you space. Jonathan, you finished Rory's telepathic bond. You head on over. She is seated with her back to you at one of the other tables. And you notice that she has finished her breakfast and Bernie is just gently cupping the cup of tea that you've made and enjoying what you can only assume is the smell. She's just got her eyes closed and seems to be in a meditative type state, but opens her eyes and greets you with a small smile and says, good morning. Are you finished with whatever discussion you needed? Yeah, I think we're, we're ready to go. Have you come to a decision? I, Jonathan the Muscular, and all of us would like to go to Waterdeep. Oh, Oh, that's excellent. I would love to escort you to the place and where I can get you there immediately. Would you mind giving me about five minutes and we can we can leave right basically right away if you would like? Sure. And her eyes have lit up in in kind of an excited way. And she stands. She finishes the last of the tea and places the cup where uh, it's going to be washed and leaves. And after just a few minutes comes back, she is, she was completely armed and armored already, but you notice she's now holding what looks like a a small letter in her hand. It is, it's a square piece of parchment that has been folded up and a very basic wax seal on it. 
and she holds it out to you just as a group and says, would you do me a massive favor and deliver this uh, to the temple in Waterdeep? Our, I don't know if you've been to the the major house for Tempest in Waterdeep? Yeah, I, got, I gotcha. I'll, I'll, I'll stop by. I owe them a thank you. Yes. She hands you the letter, Bernie, and she says, oh, that'd be great if you could give this. I'm assuming that in order to gain access here, you are at least familiar with Lyra Mesa. Yep. We uh, don't go back at all, but I did meet her in order to get here. That's all I need. If you could just deliver this to her, that would be fantastic. And uh, she can take everything from there. And if you're ready to go, I'm more than happy to escort you. It's going to take about an hour to get to where we need, but I can take you there right now if we'd like. I think we just have to get our packs from our room. And our animals. And our animals. Oh, I assumed your animals were with you. Oh, they were? Okay, yeah. So. Okay, cool. We're good then. I assume your animals go with you everywhere unless you tell me otherwise, and especially for breakfast, because Shadow- Oh, Shadow would have been so busy sweating his face. Yeah, there's, there is no force on Earth that could keep Shadow from having breakfast with you, Travancore. Destroying a Yugoloth burns a lot of nutrients, and I need to replenish. <laughs> All right, you gather your stuff, and she- And Bernie's going to leave the rest of her tea. She can get more in Waterdeep. Okay. And that'll, she, she, she looks around and she has made fun of them, but she feels really sad that they don't get a lot of nice things. And so, uh, tea, it sometimes wasn't always loose leaf. It used to come in these really compact bricks. So I imagine what she has is a compact brick of tea that she wraps in paper. Yep. And so she like leaves enough for herself to make an emergency cup in case she needs to do any like element, like component things with it and she sighs and she wraps it up and she sticks it on her bed and she leaves that's lovely anything else anyone wants to do in these last few minutes before you're escorted away uh travancore says to her should you ever find yourself in need of assistance travancore Perconum is ready and willing able to assist i'm sure the herald's greenest are the same yeah and i'm gonna pull out uh, a tin of popcorn and leave it there for them uh, and it's the garlic parm. Travancore is going to surreptitiously grab a little bit of the garlic parm because that's one he hasn't tried yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just sample, sample the present before you go. He opens it to show everybody, and then just before you close the top of the tin, you just take a little handful. And like quick like, little oh. decks of his. <laughs> yeah. Actually, just you know a Dexy what? Boy. Roll, roll me a sleight of hand check. Oh, well, I'm happy Dexy to. Boy. You're going to do this. I just want to see if anyone else notices. <laughs> That's actually perfect. It's the same as my history. <laughs> oh, 25! Well, that's hey, an hey, nice, 20. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, Cheers. No one knows. It's just like... Shoo. Nobody no. knows he took it until he bites down and you hear the crunch. Buddy knows I'm eating. Travancore, let me pitch something to you. You tell okay. me if this is okay. Because normally yeah. on a natural 20, I would say just discard whatever the hell you want. But here's what I'm going to say. Okay. The DM knows, and I think actually Travancore probably knows, there are a lot of tins of popcorn in this bag of holding. And there are other tins that include gar garlic parm. And so when Carlton reaches into the bag and he pulls out, he you cannot ask for a tin of popcorn that is garlic parm. You basically ask for 
a tin of popcorn and Carlton has to pull out a couple of tins to find the garlic parm. And when he puts the rest of the tins back, he doesn't notice. No one notices. But there's one less tin that's now in your bag. And so the temple gets an entire tin of popcorn and you get an entire tin of popcorn. You know me so well. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvian Sailor Tweak, John Oddie, Linnea Boyev, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.